Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Welcome, Rich, to the World XP Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. I've had a, one of your athletes on, Manny. Um, always a pleasure speaking with him. And as as I'm sure you know, he won his last uh, title fight, and he's up and off and running and doing big things. But um saw some of your posts and was like hmm, this guy sounds interesting so we got to have him on and here you are welcome awesome man uh, glad to be on your show or podcast so for those listening who have no clue who you are or what you do can you give us like a elevator pitch elevator pitch yeah so um my name is dr richard mack i'm a physical therapist <clears throat> and um i run a digital business like completely online um called the mma doc and i really just kind of help uh combat athletes martial artists like pretty much fighters take a science-based approach towards injury management strength and conditioning recovery eating and weight cuts so that they can just reach their fullest potential as a serious athlete Fair enough. So for me, um, I'm not a fighter. I've been, I know people who wrestled and did things of that nature, pay loose attention to UFC. Um, and then Alex, who's the tribal beast fitness guy, he coached me in high school. Uh, oh. and so through him, he was like, Oh, you should talk to this fighter. You should talk to that fighter. I became interested in a variety of things related to fighting, mostly because, soccer is a team sport and so you always have your teammates to help you and and fighting is is just you there's nobody to help you um and when i came across your page i have just also recovered from a long-term i'll say nagging injury so i was in physical therapy for a while and got a sense for like what sorts of people go in there how the process kind of works how athletes kind of recover um and then the differences of like say just physical therapy so you can function, but return to performance. And when I saw that you were doing combat specific, I was like, oh, I should talk to this guy because that seems like, so I guess I'm just curious and then we can just go off and see where the conversation takes us. But how did you end up in combat specific training? Because the injuries sustained during combat would be different than, well, some would, some would be similar as sprained ankles, et cetera, but others would be very different than other sports. So how did you end up in that, that specific of a of a role uh i've been a martial artist for a number of years started muay thai like in my early 20s and um but then i was in physical therapy school and uh, just busy with uh, you know grad school and then working after that but i got back into uh, muay thai and the martial arts and i've just been training a lot so i've made friends with like training partners fighters so then obviously i just started working with uh, some muay thai fighters but then some gyms have uh jiu-jitsu as well and wrestlers mma fighters so i started working with them as well because um generally if they see you training they're, they're almost like uh, more inclined to trust you so yeah. say once i kind of have a better understanding of like what's going on and everything because i just love the sport in general um they tend to gravitate towards me and then i just understand what they're going through what their issues are and then i just really help them uh kind of own their injuries and just get back on the mats because they, they just want to be consistent with their training they don't want to be sidelined for a long time yeah for sure uh, yeah this is how yeah 100 percent. and athletes i think as i'm sure you've realized athletes sometimes or oftentimes know their bodies 
well, like well to the point where it's frustrating for physical therapists to be like, this is what's wrong with you and the athlete. Because I did the same thing. I, I talked with probably four or five people before I actually got like the correct sort of like what it was figured out that it ended up being, um, Oh, it starts with an O basically like the connection between my pubic bone and the adductor was inflamed, um, because of overuse. And so it ended up getting a small tear in my lower ab and I, sure. because it wasn't hurting enough to like, I could still play. So it took me forever to figure out what it was. And I had gone to like four people and they're like, Oh, it's an adductor strain or, Oh, it's this or, Oh, it's that. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think so. So when you, so that level of trust, I would imagine is very helpful because they see you training with, they're like, this guy gets it. Yeah. Um, generally, I, I know what they go through. Um, I kind of know like uh, what they their training demands are, what, what's going on, let's say, if, you know, during certain techniques, movements, um, how their training week goes. So pretty much I, I have a better inkling about like what's going on with their injuries. And the, generally, um, you know, the modern healthcare system, like it's not very well suited for specific athletes. It's just kind of go in, they'll shoot an x-ray, they'll say this is wrong, but you know, that's not really an accurate picture about what's going on. So generally uh, when they speak with me, I ask them questions and they're like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going through. I was like, yeah, this sounds like you have this going on. And then we kind of just uh, evaluate, see what's going on, get them on a plan. They feel great with it. They're back on the match training. And then, you know, the reputation builds from there. Yeah. So how do you structure, like, we'll just say insert injury. How do you structure a recovery with this? I'm trying to structure the question so the answer is not it depends because I know it depends. But, like, how do you structure an injury? Because when when for soccer, for example, like, if it's a like an ACL, you can do certain like as you go through rehab, you can start running in straight lines and you can start doing this sorts of different things. But with because you can have a more controlled environment, but when you're training fighting, to my understanding, it's less controlled of an environment. So how do you sort of structure the return to like, OK, it's feeling OK. Do we want him back on the mat yet? Or if not, because it all it takes is like somebody slips and it re-aggravates or something like that. So how, how do you structure that sort of situation or deal with that situation? Um, there's different approaches depending on the scenario. So yes, kind of like what you said, it depends. So there are injuries that are just straight traumatic injuries. Let's say, mm -hmm. Hey, you broke your ankle or you broke your arm or anything, or you sprained an ankle. Those are structural issues like damage mm -hmm. to a structure. And you kind of have to respect the healing time and then also know when to push push them along in relation to where they're at with their healing. Um, but there's other injuries where it's like nagging or overuse injuries or something like that. And um, there's like what we call a sensitivity issue. Like it's just been going on for a while, flares up, calms down, flares up, calms down, never really gets better. I generally lean it's like, okay, there's something else going on. And um, pretty much it's about weaning them in the right, right amounts so that they can get back to their full training without an issue. So um it's really about teaching them how to calm down, let's say a sensitivity issue, and then really building them back up to full training again. Yeah. So how do you do that online? Because when I went, because when I went into therapy, physical therapy, it would be like, okay, no, that hurts. No, that doesn't hurt. Like you don't have the ability to to do that, which 
is not good or bad. It just is. But so how, how do you sort of walk through that process with the athlete given, well, as you know, some athletes can be like, well, how do you know you're not there? Like, yeah. Um, generally when you ask a number of questions, it'll always lead you to the answer. So mm -hmm. generally when someone's like poking and moving and all, all that stuff, um, that's just to confirm what you're suspecting when you're interviewing someone. So generally mm -hmm. ask a couple of questions. Hey, how does it behave? What happened? You know, if it sounds like you broke it, then odds are, Hey, you probably need to go, you know, to the ER, get an x-ray yeah. or, or get it, get surgery or something like that. But if it's something that doesn't add up to a traumatic injury, then I'll ask certain questions. How does it behave? What makes it feel better? What makes it feel worse? And then um, when I have this idea in my head, then I will just have them move and test their strength and everything. I could just see it visually. And then I say, okay, this is probably what's going on. I have them do something that I know will probably help it. And then they see improvements. I was like, all right, that's probably your issue right now. We're going to stick with that. You're going to stick with this. Follow these um, exercises or programs for now. And then we're going to troubleshoot how it goes. And generally they do a lot better and they're pretty shocked that I didn't have to lay my hands on them. Mm. fair enough that's cool it's cool because the the world of sports and and sort of medicine like performance science is shifting a lot or has shifted a lot in the last even like five years to where you have people that have such an expertise like yourself that come out of like this i feel like there was a gap because I, I didn't know, or maybe, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't aware, but I feel like this sort of realm of specific um, sort of sports training, like when I was in college, so I graduated college 2017, and the lifting that we did for soccer was not like anything like I do now. Like I don't do hardly any of the same things, and I realized afterwards, I was like, we, we why, we, like none of that was helpful at all. Um was there a gap in the field or was it just like, how new is this sort of thing? Cause I've just discovered it. So obviously, obviously since I just discovered it, it must be new. Right. But uh, So are you talking about um, strength training and sports performance? Or are you talking about injury rehab? Um, sort of the, like the, the spots where you're like return to performance from injury rehab. Cause they kind of intersect in a way. Yeah. They, they do intersect in a way. Um, generally, I, I would say a lot of physical therapists or the healthcare system, they aren't really aware of return to sport as much. They're just not familiar with the sport. They're not familiar with the lifestyle demands and everything. Um, generally, a lot of the physical therapists or even chiropractors, they don't really quite understand strength and conditioning for, mm -hmm. you know, combat sports. So I have a background in strength and conditioning. So I kind of tied the two together. And because I just work with a lot of athletes, I know what they go through. I know what they need. And then I, I kind of just apply the science to that and then really kind of uh, progress them back into their sport. So that's that's where that, that gap comes from, because um, generally a lot of combat athletes or martial arts, they always think of physical therapy or rehab. It's just like, hey, someone's massaging them. Someone's doing something to their body part and then miraculously fix them. But it really doesn't work that way. It's really about just kind of getting them moving, getting them mm -hmm. back into the stuff that they need to do for their sport and then really ramping it up so that they're fully confident going in. Yeah. After I got evaluated for mine, my physical therapy was basically a gym workout, essentially, mm -hmm. is what I got to. Um, I have a 
a question is related, but not especially. So I've seen like after the the Connor when Conor McGregor broke his leg, and I think um the other guy whose name escapes me, he checked another leg kick. It was like three years ago. Okay. I keep I keep seeing or not keep it hasn't happened in a while, but there was like two or three years ago. I remember there was one like on a soccer on the soccer field. Uh, Harvey Elliott got a side tackle from behind, dislocated ankle. And I remember seeing, I remember thinking like, this seems to be a lot of these like horrible like horror injuries, like more than I used to remember. Um, and I was wondering if you had noticed that or if you had thoughts on that. And I talked, I asked Manny a, a little bit about it, but he's like, yeah, you you pick up a lot of these injuries in training camp for fighting, for like for your fights. And sometimes you just got to go into the fight with whatever it is and it distracted, like it doesn't hold up. How do you, well, one, have you noticed an increase in that or is that just kind of like anecdotal? And two, how do you manage that as a fighter is getting close to like fight day? Um, I think the rates of injuries is probably a little more correlated to just, just the time of technology, social media, everything. Mm -hmm. It's just, so it's so accessible now. You're just going to see it just blasting in your face. Like someone breaks a leg, it's just all around the world instantly. It's not like before. So a lot of injuries used to happen in the past. Honestly, a, a lot of athletes that I've spoken to or even um, coaches that I've worked with, they tell me like about all the horror stories about them training growing up and all the like training injuries they just had to push through. So I think injuries have gotten better than in the past, but it's still far behind where it should be mm. and a lot of athletes right now they do train through injuries a lot of them don't understand proper strength and condition they don't understand proper recovery they don't understand proper nutrition because um all they do is just they just want to get enter the gym they train hard and they just want to fight and combat sports is, there's so much demand to go into a fight and so much science that you need to understand, but they just don't have that access to any professionals like that. It's not like an organized sport, let's say like, you know, professional soccer, professional football, professional basketball or anything like that. There's no funding for any of that stuff. And uh, a lot of these athletes just kind of wing it and just kind of really go off old information or random information from the internet. Mm. Yeah. It's tough to sift through, especially on, well, I guess recovery shifted a bit, but also nutrition as well. Like, because I remember growing up, the food pyramid obviously is a is a joke. Um, but like, what? So, so what's so? If you were to give like, let's go recovery first. So, so when you're talking recovery people here okay keep your feet elevated and kind of simple stuff like the massage guns are are all the rage now things of that nature um like for me after after game sometimes i'll throw i'll go to 7-eleven get two bags of ice throw in the bathtub mm -hmm. sit in there for 12 minutes whatever um sauna at the gym like on midweek things like that what is sort of a good recover like what are what things are good for recovery and then Actually, let's start with what things do people think are good for recovery that aren't, and then what are actually good things? Um, so most people generally like something done to them that doesn't require much thinking or much habit change. So let's say a massage gun or an ice bath or 
whatever, some ointment or cream or something like that. Um, they like it because it's just quick. They don't mm -hmm. really have to think. They apply it and then they feel somewhat better, but not fully better. Um, but what people really need is like habit changes. Like you really do need to sleep like a adequate amount of sleep. You really do have to dial in your recovery where you're eating certain amounts of food and quality foods and uh, you need to hydrate at a certain level. And then you kind of have to manage your training loads. And that takes a lot more effort and people don't quite have the patience to really sit down and do all that. So that's why they work with me because I hold them accountable to all those things that will truly move the needle forward. Because once you understand the science and what really goes on in the body, you know, all the massage guns, mice baths and stuff like that, it'll help to a certain degree, but it'll never create the changes in your body quite like sleep or quite like eating properly or quite like hydrating properly. Because once you understand what goes on in the body, you understand that all those things really can't replace that. Mm, yeah. So in order, like in a, of order of importance, sleep, probably one nutrition, one, a nutrition slash hydration, like one, a kind of, and then the other stuff kind of falls into place afterwards. Yeah. It's like uh, the little, uh, little accessory stuff that you don't really need, you know. So what's so, so what goes on in so what goes on in the body during sleep that makes it so important? Past like okay, you get a good nice rest, you feel better in the morning. Like what is going on within like the muscle tissue and and everything else that makes it so important? Well, there's certain processes that goes on, like hormone release. So your muscles and body repairs, um, your brain, obviously, uh, you know, if more quality sleep you get, the better your brain recovers and um, processes and creates new memories for stuff that you learned, stuff like that. Um, a lot of rejuvenating processes happen when you're sleeping. So that's why it's important to get quality sleep. So when they kind of follow that, I guess that popular thing, popular saying like team, no sleep, like it's, you're just going to be injured. No, no. I, can't, I can't function. Yeah. It's like, you're just not, you're not going to do very well with that. And, um, the sleep is just something that you just cannot like, uh, bypass. No, no, definitely not. I want to move on to the nutrition side a little bit because so like, I think I eat pretty well i'd say um what are what what are some sort of like within the nutrition sort of science sphere of like we heard for a while saturated fats was the thing that wasn't good for you and now like we're hearing sugars sugar is not good for you like where what and then some people are like, oh, I'm on carnivore diet and that works for me. And other people are like, oh, I've got keto diet and that works for me. And other people are like, well, I went vegan. Like, And it's so hard to sift through everything because sometimes it works for somebody and other times it doesn't work for somebody else, the same thing. And so when people are trying stuff and they're like, in my head, I'm just like, let me generally stay away from like candy and processed things, like meats and vegetables and fruits and like eggs and like thing and make sure I'm hydrated and kind of just go from there. Like, I don't, what is, well, I guess what are some of the myths that people think or like, I don't just, can you just touch on sort of nutrition generally and like what things are, I don't know, just touch on it generally, I guess. 
Um, so with nutrition, there's just so many different opinions and, um, obviously a different approaches to it. So yes, like, uh, there are some people that believe in carnivore diet or keto or anything like that. But when you dig into it a little more, um, generally those people have food issues and they've just find like that structure of mm-hmm. following something that's very restrictive so that they don't have to think they just have to just follow that. Then they do well because all that it is is just putting you in a calorie deficit. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if someone to say, uh, say, oh, well, keto was great for me and I lost weight. Well, one, you lost water weight because you're not consuming any carbs, but also you're eating just more protein and hopefully, you know, more vegetables or whatever. And that just keeps you fuller than, you know, a bunch of carbohydrates usually that or processed carbohydrates, you know, like candy and all that stuff. So yeah, you'll lose weight, but then it's not really because of the diet. It's really because you're at a calorie deficit. So um, a lot of fighters that I work with or martial arts, they have food issues and, um, you know, they feel like, oh, I'm an athlete. I have to eat clean. They always say, I have to eat clean. I have to eat clean, or I'm always eating clean. And it doesn't really mean anything to me because it usually just basically means that they're under eating. Like, they just not eating enough to perform or recover. And um, sometimes they're so restrictive with their eating that they are trimming down to a certain weight for their fights. And then all of a sudden between fight camps or anything like that, they start indulging in all the foods they couldn't have while they're in fight camp. And then they just blow up and they repeat the process. They blow up, repeat the process. And then all of a sudden making weight is a lot harder for them. So generally they have uh, odd relationships with food and I teach them how to really trim down based according to the science. Like they can fit in foods that you enjoy. You can fit in some candy at times or ice cream or a mm-hmm. burger or anything like that. And it's not going to derail you. And uh, once they understand the science behind it, then they're making better choices. And then they're able to maintain a better walking weight and perform better for their sport. That makes sense. So for, that's interesting. Hmm. So, when you say eating clean doesn't mean anything to you, what what do you mean by that? Like, so, hmm, I guess I'm asking because I haven't I haven't looked into like any. I'm not a very sciencey person, I guess. Um, and so I have a few friends who are nutritionists, and they're like, "Oh, you shouldn't eat this thing or that thing," and I'm like, "Okay, that's fine." Um, and I try to like when I read ingredients list on say like uh, protein bars or whatever, I try to have it be like the least amount of <laughs> the least amount of things that I can't pronounce on mm-hmm. the thing. So like for example, uh, do you know RX protein bars? Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, they're the ones where it's like oh, it's like three egg whites and this amount of almonds and whatever. So I those are the ones that I get because they have just those things. Mm-hmm. Is that like worth doing? I guess. For, so I'm asking like for myself personally, like, cause I guess I don't really understand. I'm going off stuff that I've heard. And to be fair, those make me feel less like bloated occasionally than the other ones do. Like the ones with like the, like cliff bars or whatever, but. Um, whole sources of food generally are more nutrient dense. That's why, you know, when you're eating, let's say like a full animal protein, chicken, steak, fish or anything like that you know it's different than eating processed protein like a a protein bar or anything like that you know because there's just different nutrients in it um generally 
when you stick to more whole sources of food is always better, but you could always fit in processed food. It's just when people have diets full of highly processed foods, then they generally have issues, right? So if someone's just eating, let's say, um, Oreos, like a bunch of Oreos and stuff like that and all that stuff. It's just highly processed, highly refined sugars, and you don't really get much nutrients for the calories you're eating. And then all of a sudden, that's when they have issues. Mm-hmm. Mm, that makes sense. Another related question, but not really. Have you heard of Athletic Greens? Um, I've heard of it. I don't it's know. Like a, it's like a um, vitamin sort of, I wouldn't even call it a supplement, but it's like this powder that's like packed with vitamins and nutrients and stuff. Um, I was just curious to hear what your thoughts were on it, if you had any, but hmm. interesting. So last question sort of on nutrition. So I, I've heard of stories or of people where they, they say they've got like some sort of inflammation issues. And then they stop eating processed carbs and they go carnivore or whatever, and the inflammation goes away. Those sorts of stories make me wonder, like, like when you say in moderation, you can have ice cream. Like, yeah, if if you're eating good generally, like, of course, moderation is fine as long as you're not eating a whole stack of Oreos. What is like, what is in those foods that's that the body is like, yeah, we don't really like that because at, at after a certain point for me personally of me eating like eggs for breakfast and some bananas and like um, some salmon and broccoli for lunch and whatever for dinner, chicken and something else like rice and something. When I would go, when I would go back to like, if I went out with some friends and I got like pasta or whatever, or I got like a burrito or something, I would, I would feel horrible in a way that I didn't used to before I started eating in that way. So like, what is going on with the like body and the way that it's reacting to these things? It's, it's just, it's really interesting to me because I haven't, I know what I feel, but I have no idea why or like what is actually going on. I'm just like, I don't want to feel bad. So I'm just not going to eat it. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, there's a variety of factors that does depend on it, but generally, you know, the, when you're eating out or anything like that, it's just, it's just a lot loaded with a lot of fat, a lot of carbs, a lot of salt seasonings and stuff like that and it will make you feel bloated and um kind of sleepy and everything so generally people don't feel too great with it not a lot of people like that bloated feeling so generally when you're hot so they just don't like it so um whether you know they're putting certain ingredients in there who knows but generally you know people just don't like to eat meals that are totally like loaded with salt loaded with all the seasoning fat and carbs um the body yeah. just doesn't react with it well. Uh, generally, yeah, generally, people don't really like it as much. Gotcha. Do you structure like sort of camps for fighters? Is it like they're fighting, like if they're like, "Hey, I've got a fight in two months." You help structure their their like six week camp. Yep. yep. We I, we go year round actually, so there's always phases. So Manny is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, we work year round and we're like, Hey, when's your fight coming up? Cool. I was like this, we have this many months. This is what we're going to work on for this couple months. Then we're going to focus on this and then we're going to dial it in. So when you're in fight camp, you're going to peak at the right time. And mm-hmm. generally that's, what, uh, that's what a lot of combat athletes need. I generally, a lot of them are relying on guesswork. Sometimes they just start lifting weights when they're in fight camp. They're like, Oh, I'm going to fight. I better start lifting weights. And that's like, 
not a good time just to do it because you're not really going to get the benefits that you should. Um, so generally I have them on year round cycles. We're always working on something and uh, they perform a lot better year round. And yeah. So I, I'm not trying to make you give away your secrets of why people come to you, but like, how do you, how do you structure, how do you structure that in a way so that they peak? Because at, at some point you you have to let the body recover so they can be then ready to go hundred percent on fight night. Um, but how do you get them like, like, where's the, cause I do this for soccer every week. Right. So I've, I've, I put in the work during the week and then I give myself like a day off where I take a walk. Maybe I'm on the bike for half an hour, go get some little touches like against the wall or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's my day before a game. So I'm still active, but I'm not pushing myself. Like, how do you do that with a, with a fighter who has the, like sparring every day and all these things. And it's a six to eight week thing for one night rather than like, for me, it's five days, one day off game. Um, Generally, I'm aware of their training loads, how much they're pushing during their fight camps, what their fight camps look like, and then it's a little individualized. So, uh, you know, we'll kind of adjust things on the lifting end, on the cardio end, just to make sure everything is balanced and efficient instead of them just trying to push through and, you know, hitting records for their their cardio hitting records for their lifts or anything like that. You don't want them maxing the day before. (laughs) Yeah, they don't want them just trashed. So I really am aware of it that their needs are really for them to fight and put Mm -hmm. in a focus work like during their training so they can fight well so like i'm not the main star i'm not really like there to take over everything i'm just really there to get them as fit as possible as strong as possible without taking away or making them feel trashed from the stuff that's really going to help them during their fight yeah how did you how long did it take you to, did you figure a lot of this out via, well, obviously when you were in PT school, but like trial and error on yourself or like, how long did, did it take you or how long did it take you to kind of like, yep, yeah, this is kind of in this situation, I do this thing. And in that situation, I do that thing. And like, maybe we'll try this one, this thing this time, because he had these two days of whatever exercise how long did it take you to figure that out figure that out and kind of get a framework for yourself um it's always an ongoing process Uh, obviously um the field of combat sports is really new so it really does take a lot of somewhat trial and error along the way but just understanding the science really understanding like research of certain things like okay this is probably going to be too much for this person like uh you know if you ever see people that do bro lifts or anything like that or bodybuilders that doesn't apply to combat sports and there's reasons why it doesn't apply well to combat sports or most sports really to be honest exactly but uh, yeah and so basically when you're you're thinking that but then it veers way off into like this sports specific end where everyone's just lifting or running around with bands attached to them and everything but um generally once you pay attention to the research you kind of understand like which fundamentals really works well what sport specific work will truly move the needle forward and like what's kind of nonsense and then um a lot of it is kind of like my own call there's no formula really i just see it i said this is probably what an athlete needs this is what they need right now this is probably the appropriate amount and um i see it you know all my athletes are just performing well they feel stronger they 
they're more durable. They're not injured. They're just doing multiple fights. They don't feel trashed during their fight camps. And I was like, okay, everything is going pretty well. So this is generally like the framework that I, I see that's working really well. Yeah, that makes total sense. I've noticed that a bit like um, with newer sorts of things when you got to sift through, like, and I'm at the gym and I see like a high school or whatever, trying to do some sort of plyos and like, they're not doing it right. Cause they saw, they saw a video on Instagram of somebody doing it. And then, like one time I felt the need to be like, Hey, don't, don't land like that. You're not going to hurt yourself. Um, when you, cause obviously you can't work with everybody. So you see, I'm sure you see people in your seat or in like you're in the gym or people are training and you like take a look over there and you're like, Ooh, you probably shouldn't, shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think everyone feels like exercise should be free like they i can lift the weight or i can mm -hmm. squat or i can deadlift so i don't need to work with a coach so they're, they're generally that's the the mindset they have i could just look go online look up some exercises or this and that and i could program my own stuff but um generally there's so much information out there like different approaches different views all different exercises that it's just information overload so generally a lot of athletes will just come to me and then they'll tell me what's going on and I can kind of just filter out all that nonsense that's out there in the internet and then read their situation and just spit out an answer like, okay, this is what's going on with you. This is what you need right now. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to guide you along the way. You just need to execute, just lean into the coaching, ask me about the guidance, but you will get the results if you follow what I tell you. And generally that's why the athletes are doing well, because he's like, oh, I don't have to think. I just go in, I do it. I'm feeling better. My cardio is better. I'm feeling stronger. I'm not injured and I'm performing better during my training and I'm performing better during my fights. Yeah. I'm the same way with my, some of my players that I coach or train for soccer. It's, they think they are doing a thing correctly and it's like, you break it, you can break, break down one move for like an hour and then they're like, mind is blown. It's like, you're not paying me just so I can tell you to do a thing. You're paying me so I can tweak how you're how you deceive with you move your hips this way and your head goes that way and then you kind of make the body faint go this way and you really sell this or that like that's what you're paying for i'm sure you've i mean obviously you've experienced that you've created a whole business on online for for yourself doing that when did you how did you get into mma in the first like all the way back when you started doing muay thai how did you end up like drawn to it um i always loved martial arts when i was a kid um it was pretty cool i just go by and i see like a karate class but you know we never did it i because we just didn't have too much at that time and then uh, as i got older i was like it's like oh i want to do it you know like in my early 20s but this was like I actually started after i injured my acl i actually tore it and i had the mm. construction and everything but I was like, oh, I want to do martial arts. And then I jumped into it. And then I realized, like, I really like Muay Thai. And then I just started doing Muay Thai. And it really just took off from there. It's just been, you know, I never imagined a career in it. I just really enjoyed it. But it just became a career later on because I just felt like, oh, wow, like, this is what the sport needs. And, you know, I didn't really look at it as a money-making opportunity because they just don't. It's not, it's not an affluent niche really it's just more like i found a way to leverage it that i can still have a business so you know do pretty well in life and but really like uh serve really the population that i'm called to serve 
Yeah. Can you touch on that a bit? And the reason I ask is because though I'm I'm 26 and I have a lot of friends who are well, obviously around my age, but some younger ones as well that are kind of maybe lost isn't the right word, but they're they they're just working some job and they don't really like it and they're trying to figure out sort of what they want to do and they're like, well, I like this thing, but I can't figure out how I can make a living on it or like that sort of dilemma that I think a lot of people face when when they're in their early 20s can you sort of touch on how you end how like the the work you put in to kind of get to that point but how you sort of navigated that for yourself at that time um yeah i've been a physical therapist was it um since 2009 so i guess it's about almost 14 years now i think yeah Mm -hmm. so um but i've been working like clinics and stuff like that for about like about 11 years or something like that and um you know, it's just general population, mix of athletes, older people and everything. And, um, but I always kind of did martial arts on the side. It was just my thing. And I always loved it, but I just kind of knew like martial arts are broke. Like they just don't really are well off like that. They're not golfers or anything like that. And, um, my business coach was actually, you know, has a business and then he was working with fighters. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Like he's just working like digitally with fighters. And then um, the pandemic hit and I realized like, all right, well, I don't think I'm going to be working with people and for quite a while. So I was like, I need to really like do something. And I was like, I want to make a jump. I was like, you know, I'm going to work with combat athletes as well, since I've been working with them in person anyways. And then um, it just kind of grew from there. I just signed up with my business coach and really came up with a business and then really just pushed through all the ups and downs. And, you know, it took a lot of, uh, a lot of work, a lot of thick skin to go through, but I've been fortunate enough to build it up. And now I have like a reputation as like a, an authority figure in the, in the sport. Yeah. Getting the name MMA doc helps. <laughs> helps. I think with that, that's cool. I didn't realize it was that new. Cause I did the same thing when COVID started with both the podcast and, and a few other things is like, well, I'm going to be sitting around here. I should probably do something with my time and not just play video games and eat pizza and whatever. Yeah. Um, that's cool, man. That's really cool. A lot of people I found myself recently, just personal sort of anecdote. I found myself a lot of people I've been talking to on the podcast and via other, other things like almost everyone has a very similar sort of, story of um pandemic hit and i decided that i wanted to pursue this thing with the extra time i didn't have to commute to work anymore so i was going to use this extra time and it's been it's been really cool to see the amount of people like obviously it, it sucked for a lot of people but a lot of people i know were made something of it and that's really cool to see people making the most out of something that wasn't so great yeah, it's uh one thing it taught me. It was just like uh, what you make out of it, like what you get is what you make out of it. And for me, it was like, I don't know, I, I think I, there was this quote that's like, hey, you know, and every, behind every great story, there was always this one situation. You either sink or swim. And I just decided, I was like, you know what? I live one life. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go all in and, you know, just really uh, invested in coaches and stuff like that. I didn't really do it on my own. I had the support of friends around me and my business coaches. And it really grew from there because I just, what my content was really resonated with combat athletes. And then 
as I started working more and more athletes online and posting testimonials and everything like that, then more athletes saw it's like, oh, wow, this guy like really does get it. And then more and more enroll with me. And now the message spread, but it really all came from the message like, hey, I really want combat athletes to train smarter. Yeah, that makes sense. What's next for you? If you had to say, okay, three to five years, um, if everything went perfectly, I would be doing blank or my business would be blank position um i think my business i would have uh, i have currently two assistant coaches under me they are helping with things i would picture like more assistant coaches helping and just kind of growing things and um but th there's a part of me that you know i still enjoy helping people i would always like have a handful of people that i will personally work with i just enjoy working with people and their stories and seeing them improve. But, um, you know, whether I want to be an influencer or a speaker or anything on all those things, like I don't necessarily have aspirations of that. It's all I care about is just, you know, really to kind of changing combat sports, like for the better. So, and it's kind of group. Like I've just been making friends with promotions and across the country and then they see what their athletes are doing. So like whatever I've been doing as a business has just been growing from that. Awesome. Sounds good. It's been almost what, 45 minutes already. I'm sure you're a very busy man. Um, where can the people find you on, on the social media website, Instagram, the internet? Cool. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram at the MMA doc. And um, if you're looking for me uh, website wise is www.getbackonthemat.com. So those are the two areas that you can find me. Fair enough. We'll, we'll get those links in the description. Rich, I appreciate your time. Uh, learned a lot. The world of fighting is very intriguing to me, obviously, as it's this is new for, well, new generally, but I like learning about new things. So thank you. Yeah, it's a very cool culture, man. Get get into it, train. You'll you'll kind of like uh, really catch the bug, and then you'll start training a lot, and maybe you want to fight as well. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe I'll do. Maybe I'll go watch one of Manny's, and then we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Oh, he's a beast, man. That guy is. He, he's an awesome story, man. Like if I don't. If you ever like really know him, like he's just very focused and very goal driven. And uh, when he started working, like he just took off. His trajectory really took off. Like once he started training smarter, like it, he has a hard time finding fights because they're, like they're like oh they don't want to really fight him because they just realize like how how much of a machine he is. Oh, a hundred percent. You can tell just by talking to him. Even the first conversation I had, I had like um, I did like a fight uh fight promo sort of 20 20 minute one like the day before his fight or like two days before his fight nice. and i told him i was like you are going to win i don't even know who the other guy is but like i could just tell i was like you're going to win and then we had a second more lengthy conversation it was like an hour or whatever and we talked about a variety of different things but he um yeah just the mindset's like Dude's going places for sure. If he gets, he, I think he said he wants to defend that title once, one more time, and then, um, and then try and go, try and go pro. So hopefully, fingers crossed for him that he'll that he'll manage to do it. But he's got he's got all the all the up here that he needs. So yeah, that's pretty rare because generally, um, a lot of people get into fighting to kind of fight their demons or try to make up for something that's missing in life, and it's just not really a good place 
to really ground yourself for fighting. And for him, it's just really about becoming the best athlete that he can be. And mm-hmm. he has all this. Yeah, he has a job. He has a career and everything. It's just that he loves fighting that much and becoming the best fighter that he can be. So he has a good foundation to grow from versus someone that's just battling their demons and just fighting and tripping their own feet all the time. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, Manny, you. I hope you listened because uh, <laughs> MMA Doc said some nice things about you. Um, but yeah, I guess any last nickels. Yeah, that's it. I mean, honestly, awesome. Like chatting with you and just kind of uh, you just kind of really learning more about what I do. And uh, hopefully like you got something out of it and was uh, found it valuable. 100%. Definitely. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.